<laughs> what concert costs just 45 cents? I don't know what. It's 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. <laughs> wow. <laughs> these are these are like bad bad. Yeah. Uh, what what time Yeah, but they're the they're like modern bad. Right, as a, modern bad. <laughs> yeah. It's inappropriate to make a dad joke if you're not a dad. It's a faux pas. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Back on track. Okay. Okay. Uh, These temporarily, right? temporarily on track uh welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls people of all ages that are probably within listening ages who own an iphone more likely than not to another episode of the truth about investing back to basics my name is chris holling and i'm sean cooper and even though this is for all ages, we kind of want to talk about different types of retirement plans. Uh, because like like we've addressed before, especially in the time that I just didn't know a whole lot about money. Different life. types of accounts in general, not just well, right, retirement plans. Account, right, accounts in general, yes. Right, right. Uh, I... I know that at least previously for me that the reason i mentioned retirement accounts specifically and why because we'll we'll hit on that has been a a series of circumstances where they go sit down hey this is your new plan here are your benefits and here's your retirement plan and i go cool what does that mean and uh never really got outside of that and i think there there are still some people that just kind of go yeah i've got this plan i've got this 401k and uh i know that it's got three letters and a number and that's about it and (laughs) that's that's okay because that's the kind of stuff that we want to talk about talk about some of the differences and if we have time some of the some of the i don't know not if we have time like what what are the benefits to each one really i'm sure we'll we'll touch on that so uh, i know that before we get started we would like to talk about the difference between qualified accounts and non-qualified accounts? Yes. Right? Well, by all means, uh, Mr. Sean, sir, what is a qualified account? What is a non-qualified account? So a non-qualified account is basically going to be any of your individual or joint accounts that you can open up that are not going to have any type of tax benefit associated with them. They're also not going to have any restrictions as to how much you can deposit or when you can withdraw funds. So all of your retirement accounts, on the other hand, are going to be qualified accounts. They have some sort of tax benefit attached to them, but they also have lots of restrictions in terms of how much money you can put in and when you can pull that money out. And the okay. reason we wanted to talk about that is because that's kind of the the really broad blanket information, and then we can get into the you know drill down into the in, the specific types of accounts from there. So just just to clarify, when we're talking about qualified accounts, we're talking more about the the ones that you would have access to, like we addressed in our savings episode, uh, where you have access to to money where you need it. And uh, no, that'd be non qualified. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Backwards. Okay. So the non-qualified account would be the one that you have a lot more easy access to it. Correct. And uh, a little bit more liquidity to be able to mess with, where if you're trying to coordinate how things want to go, um, then that that's what that is, where your non-qualified is going to be your retirement accounts. Right? 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 Your qualified is your retirement accounts. Oh, my God. Right. So if you have, say, for example, you've saved up... X amount for a deductible and you don't want it just sitting in a a savings account earning next to nothing, you decide you want to invest it, that's going to go into a non-qualified account typically. Non-qualified. 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 No tax benefits. No restrictions (laughs) on 
deposits and withdrawals. Yeah, the, the only restriction like, you're going to have in terms of withdrawing from a non-qualified account is the time frame it takes to actually, you know, liquidate investments and transfer the money back out to your your checking or savings account. So, but those are individual accounts and joint accounts, predominantly. I was just seeing if I could get you to say non-qualified again. Non-qualified. Non-qualified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, can you can you give me an example of a non-qualified account? Just since we're we're on the topic. What what would a non-qualified account be or what's what's one of the most common ones that gets used? How's that? An individual account. Okay. And that you're how, technically how speaking if, your savings account, you know, you open up a savings account or a, a money market account or even a checking account at a bank. Those are non-qualified accounts. Either right. individual but if or joint. But if I'm wanting to make more money than I would be in my savings account, but I want the access to it, and I said, hey, Sean, uh, I want to make more money than I'm making in my savings account as it's sitting there, but I need it to be a non-qualified account. Yes. Then Still going to be an individual one? or a joint account. There, there's, okay. there's really not another... You know, you get into retirement accounts, they have a bunch of different names and stuff like that that you have to keep track of. Uh, on the non-qualified side, it's an individual account or a, a joint account. Those are kind of your options. Um, you know, deciding where you want to invest is a, a very different story in terms of the, the company you want to work with and then the, the how you want to invest those funds. You know, that's another, that's multiple podcasts. Um, right, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm not going to go to my bank and go, I want an individual account. No, not account. typically. They're yeah, just, no, so, just going to say, what are you talking about? Yeah, so you'd want to, that's where you'd either, if you want to utilize someone's services to help you with the investment side of it, then you'd be dealing with either you know a financial advisor or an investment advisor like myself. If you want to do it yourself, you can go directly with uh, E-Trade, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, or yeah, TD Ameritrade. There's a number of other ones out there that you can utilize, uh, where you set up a, an account online and transfer some funds in, and then you can start placing your trades. Okay, and okay, yeah, that's fair because then you just contact that place and say, "This is what I'm looking for," and then they'll help you set that up, whatever that is. Right. Yeah. I okay. mean, you can you can do it all online. You don't even have to. In many cases, if you don't end up even talking to anybody and okay. those online ones they often they're, they're they're trying to make it as do it yourself as possible they, they don't want the additional uh expense of trying to provide lots of support sure okay that makes sense all right well now we know what a non-qualified account is like yes uh so let's talk about qualified types we we've got uh and these these are just the the ones i know off the top of my head that i feel like are the most common at least in in my line of work is there's a 401k a 401a and a pension has are the most common ones that i come across personally and uh the 401a is a different version of the 401k but it is a non-profit version of it and it allows some more flexibility and some more options than the 401k might offer and uh pension is a little bit differently but i also don't want to just completely dive into one or the other just yet unless there are others that you want to address first those are just the ones that i'm more familiar with than anything first off there's the accounts that you can invest in yourself or you can do yourself that does not require any association with the company. And those would be your IRAs, which are individual retirement agreements. And then you have the entire slew of company-related retirement accounts. And those can be break, broken down into two categories. The first would be defined con- contribution. And the second would be defined benefit. What is a defined benefit versus a defined contribution? So a defined benefit plan is exactly what it sounds like. They are defining the benefit you will receive once you retire. Defined contribution is the exact opposite, where the benefit that you receive is 
undefined and is more or less up to you and your return on investment, but they will specify exactly what they're going to contribute to the plan. So the easy way of kind of, I mean, it's not 100%, but the easy way of looking at that and what people, most people recognize defined benefit as would be your pension. Okay, that makes sense because you know that you're going to hit a point where I have accrued X amount of time and whatever the agreement is, and then now you are going to get whatever out as a benefit Correct. for contributing for that long, and that's why it's a defined benefit. Exactly. Right? The company is, has okay. said that you work this long uh, based on your last you know five years of employment or whatever. We average out that income or that your income levels, and you're going to get paid out an X percentage of that for the rest of your life with some kind of adjustment to for inflation or what have you um they're specifying exactly what the benefit is going to be the company is then on the hook to provide that benefit you as the employee you know you're going to make some contribution to it as well or they rather they're going to take it out of your check a, a percentage of it and then they're going to contribute to it as well but you personally don't really care what the the return on investment is how they invest those funds. All you care about is that the fact the company is on the hook for providing that benefit that they have promised you. Right. So if, if I'm contributing, whatever, uh, uh, let's, let's say I'm contributing a certain amount of mon- money per month and I do that for years. And then at the end of it, I know I'm going to get, a percentage of my my overall salary that's pretty common for a pension depending on how many years you work you get a, a percentage of of what your salary was depending on if it's your biggest year or your final salary or whatever the case may be right and if that amount is what am I trying to say? They they are going to take the money that you are contributing and they are going to invest it and they are going to utilize the money that they invest to pay for those pensions. And so the more people that get involved in it are the more capable that they are to pay those out down the road, right? Yeah, provided they have people continuing to pay <laughs> right into it. I mean, it it works like Social Security. The it has to be well managed from the employer standpoint, uh, in that they want to invest it wisely and make sure there's enough funds. They have to make sure that they've taken enough funds from you and deposited enough funds on their end to to have the funds available. Um, they're, they're taking on all the risk. If the funds dry up, the company's still on the hook for paying you what they promised. Right. Right. Uh, so from the employee standpoint, it's great in that you have a guaranteed retirement benefit. And so even if you live well beyond your life expectancy, you're still supposed to get that that payment. So that's the advantage to it. The biggest disadvantage to a pension is you have no control over it. There's no there's no upside potential. You can't change your investments to try to make it uh, more aggressive and try to boost the return and try to get more out of it. It, it. It's set in stone. I mean, there's there's really nothing to to change about it. Sure, and that that makes complete sense. Um, Most companies okay. have switched. So there's. There's one other defined, common defined benefit plan, and that is a, they basically define a lump sum that you'll get at the end. So they're not going to pay you X amount on a uh, of your income on an annual basis. They're just going to say, hey, when you hit this age and you retire, we guarantee you'll have this much in your account. What you do from it there from there on out is your responsibility. We're done. So it's still defined benefit. But it's not the the guaranteed pension over your li- your lifetime. Gotcha. I haven't heard of that before. Is there a is there a, a common title that comes with it? Like four hundred one k? Is it cash balance plan typically? Cash balance plan. I've never yeah. heard of that before. Okay. Most people haven't. Interesting. It's not real common. Uh, there are instances where it makes a lot of sense, especially for business owners, but 
uh, it's not a super common one. In fact, even the pension really isn't that common anymore. Most employees are going away from it in favor of the defined contribution plan because they don't want to be on the hook for your entire life. They'd, they'd rather say, okay, we'll contribute X percentage of your income to this plan. That's the defined contribution. What you do with it is your responsibility. Sure. That makes sense. Okay. Well, then let's let's talk about defined contribution. Let's talk about the thing that it's all starting to kind of be more common with be transitioning into then. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what we I, I touched on there briefly. Uh, it's really exactly what it sounds. They are defining how much they are going to put in. So a typical match might be something like 100% up to 3% of your income. So if you put 1% of your income in, they'll match 1%. If you put 3% of your income in, they'll match 3%. If you put 5% of your income in, they're still going to match just the 3%. Um, another that you might see is like a tier where they will do um, 100% up to um, 2% and then they'll do 50% up to 4%. So they ultimately end up with the same 3% match, but you have to do four percent on your own in order to get the three percent match there's all sorts of things they have lots of control over how they can kind of create the match but it's it's still a defined contribution plan and then oftentimes they'll they'll tack on some kind of profit sharing plan on top of it in conjunction with it um but there there's lots of versions of it like you were talking about the 401k which there's a traditional 401k and a roth 401k uh 403b 457 um b yeah 401a they're all versions of basically the same thing it's just a matter of whether or not it's a a for-profit company or not-for-profit company and if it's government or uh, private institutions so sure well and and it's something that it's it's worth noting that they aren't all the same either and again because they're they're the ones that i'm familiar with Mm -hmm. i know that when you're looking at a 401k versus a 401a it's the difference between one that is a a straight defined contribution and one that's a defined contribution the 401a is a defined contribution that's built on a non-profit organization Mm -hmm. and it uh, the the reason I started to dig into this a little bit was somebody was asking me about it, and uh, one of the the biggest things that I noticed that was a difference, and I, I'd have to go look to see what the exact number was, but the four hundred one k, if you have a four hundred one k and the the employer that you're working for is matching the contribution that you're placing in there, they can only match up to a certain amount, and I want to say it's twelve thousand ish. A year, I think um, you're thinking of a different uh, plan. Well, the reason I mention that is because I know that the 401a in itself matches a significantly larger amount, up to fifty six thousand or so of the the contribution, according to twenty twenty dates. I want to say that would be it, the same for a four hundred one k. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Then uh, yeah, I don't. Then here, I don't. I don't know anything about the difference between a four hundred one k and a four hundred one. How's that? One of the things you no. One of the things you mentioned sounded more like a simple, which is a savings incentive match plan for employees. That has very different contribution limits than a four hundred one k or four hundred one a. So, okay. so I guess if we we jump into this, four hundred one k is the most common. Uh, you know, you're talking about for profit non-government entities and the as an employee your maximum contribution in 2020 and 2021 i believe as well is 19,500 unless you're over the age of 50 in which case you can contribute another 6,500 which would bring you up to a total of uh, 26,000 the match the employer can can they can set the match now if they want to meet certain criteria to avoid uh, top-heavy issues and things of that nature, then there's some restrictions. But for the most part, they can set the match that they want to do. 
And then with their profit sharing, they have even more flexibility. The total contribution that can be made between you as an employee and your employer in 2020 is 57,000 plus the other 6,500 if you're over age 50. So it's a pretty substantial amount that can be contributed. And typically the way that would be done is you as the employee make your contribution, the employer does a match, and then they kick in a profit sharing. Uh, because typically you're not going to get there just with the your contribution plus the match because most matches aren't significant enough to hit. They're, they're not doing a 200% match, which I guess technically you'd need a 192% match to, to cap out uh, realistically, but that's almost unheard of. So we're looking at things like a 401k versus a 401a, then one is going to be a nonprofit build versus the other one, the 401k is going to be a profit base. What, uh, what are the differences between those two? Are, are there any differences or is it, is that more for the employer to keep track of then? There are some, you know, nuances between them, but for the most part, you're still going to, you're going to be dealing with a employee contribution limit of 19.5 for 2020 and 2021 and then a total contribution limit. So that'd be the employee contribution plus the employer contribution of 57,000. Now, if you're over age 50, you have a catch-up contribution of another 6,500 that would increase both of those caps. So the 19.5 jumps to 26, and then the 57 uh, jumps to 63.5. Um, okay. Some of those nonprofits that you were talking about. So if you go to like a 403B plan, uh, 40457B, I think you mentioned 401A. Some of those have some nuances that where they have some some different contribution or different catch up rules that may apply depending on years of service or years until retirement. Uh, but then we'd be really getting into the weeds at that point. Right. Right, and we're we're just we're just covering the the general basis of of what we're looking at, so we don't have to worry about that too too much. Right. Um, so when we're looking at our defined contributions, that's when you're looking at the different levels of what you are comfortable with. You are looking at the uh, there. There's usually an amount that you will be contributing, and whatever they are okay with matching, what whatever the agreement is to match, and then at that point. Are are most four hundred one k just because that's the most common? Are are most four hundred one ks something that you can address with the people that are running the four hundred one k as a I would like to be more aggressive or I would like to be less aggressive or is that kind of at the whims of whatever place runs your four hundred one k? Yeah. So yes and no in that regard. Um, and first, I wanted to mention that uh, in. In terms of your, how much you contribute, because you, you briefly touched on that, I, as a general rule, obviously your financial situation needs to be taken into account. But as a general rule, typically you want to contribute at least enough to take advantage of the match. That's your, sure. your best return on investment is that match right there. You, 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 you can't get that in the market. So, you know, typically take advantage of that. In terms of to how you, in, yeah, uh, in terms of how you, invest the funds and how aggressive you are typically you can control it to an extent most 401ks are going to have very limited investment options so they might have you know 10 15 maybe 20 different funds available to you most of them are going to be target date funds or retirement date funds that are kind of designed to be set it and forget it you you know you say you're going to retire and uh, 2040, you dump your money into the 2040 retirement date fund and they manage it for you. But then they'll have a variety of mostly domestic options. So domestic equities, some domestic bonds, they might have some international options. They're not going to have much in the way of alternative investments for diversification purposes. So you, you can choose to direct your funds within the scope of the funds that they have available to you. So when I say you have 20 funds within your 401k, that might sound like a lot. But when you consider there are over 10,000 different mutual funds and easily that many exchange traded funds and you know thousands of different individual stocks, 20 funds isn't really a whole lot. No kidding. Tens of thousands? I had no idea. Yeah, there are well over 10,000 mutual funds. 
available. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's a relatively fair explanation between uh, when we're looking at the qualified versus non-qualified, and we've got the defined benefit versus defined contribution. Yep. Right? And uh, I, I, those are pretty broad strokes as far as just understanding what those are. Is there another thing that you want to touch on before we kind of move on? Is there another? Yeah. So the other big thing you really want to understand with these uh, define or sorry, the the qualified plans is the restrictions. I I mentioned that before when we were talking about qualified versus non-qualified, the qualified plans, your retirement accounts, they're going to have limits on how much you can contribute, which we've touched on a little bit. Possibly even more importantly than that is they are going to have limits on when you can access those funds. So for the most part, that's that's age 59 and a half. You cannot pull money out of those accounts until you're age 59 and a half. Or rather, you you can, but you're going to be hit with a penalty. So when you pull money out of your retirement accounts, assuming they're traditional, not Roth, you're going to be tax. It's going to be taxed at your income tax bracket. If you pull it out prior to age 59 and a half, you're going to be hit with an additional 10% tax penalty. Oh wow! So 10% of everything you pull out is going to be hit with an is going to be taxed, or rather, every, 10% of everything you pull out, you're going to have to be eliminated as taxes basically so you pull out a hundred grand 10 grand of that's going to be hit going to be wiped out by the penalty then you're also going to pay your income tax bracket on top of that Jeez. okay that's important to to keep in mind yeah definitely something um, to keep in mind the the whole point of these retirement accounts though and the the reason they put those restrictions is they are trying to incentivize investing for retirement and they don't want you to pull out early out of those and that's why they're giving the tax benefits that they are and when i say tax benefits most of these qualified accounts are going to provide a tax deduction in the year that you make the contribution so if you made you know a hundred thousand dollars and you put ten thousand dollars into a retirement plan a qual you know a not a Roth, one of the traditional retirement plans, that's going to reduce your taxable income by that $10,000. So now you're only paying taxes on the, the 90000 Right. Additionally, okay. it's going to grow tax deferred. So you're not paying taxes as it grows, as you realize capital gains and losses. It, it But it is all taxable when you pull it out. Which is why it's taxable when it's pulled out, because you... Right. You're getting a tax break along the way. Yeah, you haven't right. paid taxes on any of it at that point. The Roth is the exact opposite. So, and I can right. jump because into that if you want, but I, we kind of ended up there in a roundabout way. <laughs> that's that's what we're good at. So, when you're looking at Roth, uh, a Roth IRA that you you said earlier, but I was or Roth four hundred one k or. Roth 401k. Uh, I was I was just going to tell you what IRA. Have you tell us what IRA stood for? God, English is not my strong suit today. Jeez. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, most of this is all IRS jargon any right way, so it's not really English. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Those bunch of nerds at the IRS. I'll take another stab at them. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, so IRA is Individual Retirement Agreement. Okay. And that's something that happens because it's individual. It happens post taxes from your income because it's usually something that you are handling on your own with your cash in hand. Why are you talking about a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA? Well, I don't know, Sean. I don't know anything. I'm here to learn. (laughs) I am here to ask the questions. You know, you don't go out to Anderson Cooper and say, hey, Anderson Cooper, tell us, tell us why things are the way that they are. And he goes, "Ah, you know, I, uh, I don't know, but let's talk to this guy, the guy that knows everything. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Sean, I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I want you to tell me 
everything. Tell me. <laughs> God. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, until this point, I wasn't even sure I could tell you how to spell Roth. So, you know what? 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 <laughs> you just go right ahead. What? what yeah. Okay. So, what, what, so first, what's a Roth? We'll get on the, the distinction between traditional versus Roth. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> ignoring the distinction, the IRA versus, you know, 401k and all the other business retirement accounts. So just traditional versus Roth. Traditional has to do with, and Roth has to do with the taxability of the account, how they're taxed. We already talked about the traditional. You get a tax deduction in the year you make the contribution. It grows tax deferred. It's all taxable when you withdraw it. Roth is essentially the opposite. When you contribute to a Roth IRA, there is no tax benefit for doing so. So you make 100,000, you put 10,000 into a Roth IRA, you still pay taxes on the full 100,000. No tax benefit. It gr- Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I said that. I said that. You did. <laughs> it is still gross tax deferred. The big advantage with the Roth is when you withdraw it in retirement, so assuming we're after age 59 and a half, you're not making an early withdrawal, it's all tax-free. You've already paid taxes on the the contribution you made initially, so you get to pull it out tax-free on the other end. Now that's something I didn't know, that there is, I've never, I've never tried to pull from my Roth, so that's probably on me, um, but I did not know that there would be a tax penalty to pulling from your Roth early on something that you've already paid taxes on. I I did not know that. Yeah, you can still get hit with the 10% tax penalty if you pull early from my Roth. Okay, interesting. Yep. Good to know. So I've that's my, traditional versus list. Roth. Uh, typically speaking, the deciding between traditional versus Roth depends on your years to retirement and then also your, your income. And then finally, where you see taxes going in the future, which is really more of a projection. So higher your income is now, the more likely the traditional is going to be advantageous to try to keep you in a lower income tax bracket. Uh, The lower your income, the more likely the Roth is going to be advantageous. The further you are from retirement, again, the more likely the Roth the closer you are to retirement, typically the more the more likely the traditional is more beneficial. And then if you think taxes are low now and you see them going up in the future, again, a Roth is going to be more advantageous. Whereas if you think taxes are high now and they're going to go down in the future, then the traditional is going to be more beneficial. All of those are okay. general rules of thumb and you would actually want to run the calculations for your individual scenario to determine what's going to make the most sense, but that gives you an idea. Ah, numbers. Yep. Crunching numbers. Know what I do? I call Sean. Uh, Sean. Did you also just open up a drink on the other end there? I plea the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, so you you mentioned IRA versus uh, you know all the the company retirement accounts. IRA individual retirement agreement. It is individual. It's just just for you. It has no ties to any type of company. It, it's just yours. And with those, they have very different contribution limits. Uh, I want to say six thousand. Yeah, six thousand right. this year. Uh, one an additional thousand if you're over the age of fifty. Those are the contribution limits. The tax deductibility of them also has limits, or whether you can even contribute to them have some limits. So if you're covered by a retirement plan at work and you make over one hundred and twenty-four thousand as a couple, so if you're filing jointly you mm-hmm. get no tax deduction for contributing to an IRA. If you make over that amount. If you make over that amount, you get no okay. tax deduction for contributing to an IRA. And that's assuming, again, you're, you're covered, you or your spouse is covered by a retirement plan at work. Um, right. Between 104000 and 124000 is kind of a phase-out. 
basically you have to make under 104,000 to be able to get a tax deduction for the full contribution limit of six to 7,000. If you're single, the, those numbers are 65,000 to 75,000. So you'd have to make under 65,000 to get the full deduction for the, the 6,000 to 7,000. Uh, and then the phase out from 65 to 75. And if you make over 75, you get no tax deduction for contributing at that point. Okay. So. Okay. That makes sense. The Roth has something similar. Um, obviously, there's no tax deduction for contributing to a Roth. So it's it's not quite the same in that regard. Instead, it actually phases out and then eliminates your ability to contribute to a Roth IRA at all. So for... an. Uh, someone filing an individual return if you make you have to make under 124,000 in order to contribute to a Roth IRA 124,000 to 139,000 they phase it phase it out and if you make over 139,000 you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA at all for, wow yeah so for for joint filers that's 196,000 to 206,000 so if you make over 206,000 you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. Okay. So I, d- I just assumed that you'd be able to contribute to it, but you'd have to pay the pay pay the penalty or or just not have the deduction in the process. But I didn't realize that you just wouldn't even qualify. Well, for a Roth, there is no deduction. So in order for them to remove the 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 advantage for those people making more money, they make it so you can't do it at all, which is garbage in my opinion. But. <laughs> well you can't play nice with others so you don't get to play at all no i don't never claim that i did no <laughs> I, I was speaking generally but if you want to take it personally that's fine that's fine okay um shoot what was i thinking you were thinking you wanted to talk more about some of the weird the different retirement accounts that are well, tied to companies that's what i, I mean, think you were thinking that it sounds like that's what you want to talk about. Is what it sounds like to me. I do. A <laughs> bit. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about a weird thing that's attached to a company. Then, uh, what's what's a good example of something weird that's attached to a company? I know of a four fifty seven B that we've referenced before in a couple of previous episodes. Is that one that fits your category of weird? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it wasn't what I was going to talk Good. about, but yes. Okay. Yeah, I kind of lumped the 457 and the 403B and the 401A and the 401Ks all together because they're they're similar in a lot of regards, and then they have their own weird quirks that uh-huh. we that we mentioned. Like for example, the oh, you wanted the 457B, so um, that's if, what I have. That's what yeah, I have. So, so I was, <laughs> tell tell me about my life. If permitted by the plan, it allows a participant for three years prior to the normal retirement age to contribute the lesser of twice the annual limit, so that would be 39000 because 19.5, double that, or, go ahead. Wait, 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 double the 39 or 39 is the double amount? 39 is the double amount. Okay. Or the basic annual limit plus the amount of the basic limit not used in prior years. Okay. Again, IRS jargon. Right. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's the lesser of those two. So basically saying you can potentially do twice the annual limit but realistically that's only going to be if you didn't contribute anything in the prior year right um but realistically you can do the your current limit plus the amount if you didn't contribute your limit your full limit in the prior year then you can you can tack that on in the the, the current year so okay. they give you a little bit more flexibility with the 457B is what that really means. Okay. If you haven't, That's good to if know. you haven't capped it out every year. So, okay. and, and well, your, and specifically if you're close to retirement. All right. No, that makes sense. So tell me, tell me about the weird stuff that stuck out to you then. So, 
I was uh, thinking of specifically some other retirement accounts that are less commonly used that a lot of people are not necessarily familiar with, and those would be SEPs and SIMPLES. So Simplified Employee Pensions and Savings Incentive Match Plan for Employees. The reason a lot of people aren't necessarily familiar with them is because they are more common for small companies uh, or even uh, business owners of small companies. Cool. What what are they? I have no idea. Honestly, I've never even heard of these things before. Okay. So SEP, the Simplified Employee Pension, um, with that one, as opposed to the employee ease making contributions and then the employer doing a match like you do with most 401ks, 457s, and 403bs and all that stuff, sure. it is only the employer that makes the contribution. Employees do not make any contributions whatsoever. Okay. The cap is the same. It's still the 57000 but it all comes from the employer. Okay. So um, it's it works out very well for self-employed people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it gives them a much higher cap that they can work with, and they're not dealing with some of the administrative expensive that are expenses that are tied to 401ks and all those others well then in theory you're you're running your own business and it it becomes part of your business expenses that you are putting towards your retirement that then that way the the business expenses are tax deductible when you run your numbers for the business at the end of the year right Right. yeah yeah so any any contributions to retirement accounts are going to be from a business standpoint, are a, an expense on the business end, so it's going to be a tax deduction. Absolutely. Wow, that's a cool point. And that's, I'm sorry, that's for both, or that's just for the that, SEPs? That would be for both. Uh, well, I mean, really any of the retirement accounts, contributions, employer contributions to retirement accounts are an expense for the business, so it's going to reduce the the income associated with the business. Is there any kind of cap on that? Like, is there a, a limitation of, of how much, say, I run a business and I want to contribute to that? Can I only do a certain amount of that? Yeah, that because was that I... 57000 um, Oh, okay. They, they, they put that. another, a couple other limitations on it. Uh, it can It's it's capped out at 25% of employee in, income. So mm-hmm. you can't put 100% of your income in there. It has to, it, there's a 25% cap. And it, okay. it only applies to the first two hundred eighty-five thousand of employee income, which, yeah, you know, that math works out. Um, Anytime that you say to me the math works out on that, I just I trust you. I don't know if you think that I sit back here and I I start checking your math, but I but I don't. And I just want you to know that. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, fifty. See, I don't even need to do it. You check your own math. Yeah, like it's actually only 20% of the 285. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's two separate limits that they put on that one. Uh, all the rest, they, they all the other will retire. Um, ugh, all the other employer retirement accounts, so business retirement accounts, they all have that 285 uh, limit. So it's only on the first 285 of employee income that it can apply to. But they they tack on that twenty five percent cap as well for the SEP. <laughs> I just love that when I when I make fun of you for getting distracted for you to go and crunch numbers somewhere, you don't even know that I'm making fun of you and you're distracted and crunching numbers somewhere. Oh, just, I know. Just I just don't care. My heart. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, then it's perfect because I'd still just as soon crunch the numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm very happy for you and your numbers. <laughs> All right. So okay. the the other one, the simple, so savings incentive match plan for employees. Yeah. That one is similar to like the 401ks in those in that there's an employee contribution and an employer contribution. Employee max maximum contribution is 13.5 instead of 19.5. So it has a lower cap on it. Um, and then if you know the plus another three thousand if you're over age fifty, where it really differs is in terms of the employer match. It's basically set. You can't 
there's really no flexibility with it. You have two choices as an employer. Either you do a 3% match and you can adjust that down to down for a I think two out of five years if you need to, but for the most part it's it's three percent and set it and forget it. Three percent match mm-hmm. or a compulsory two percent contribution. And okay. so the difference between those is the three percent match as an employer, they only have to put in that three percent if you as an employee make a contribution so there it's it's literally a match they're only putting it in if you put it in whereas the two the two percent it's a smaller amount but they have to put it in whether you're the employer e puts anything in or not right okay and then can you if you were part of that simple plan like the band (laughs) (laughs) uh if you were part of the uh the simple plan then it, would you be able to choose, say, per month if you were contributing? Or is that something that you have agreed upon when you sign the papers for this small business owner, employer that you're working with? Right. So it's going to be similar to your – are you talking about as an employee? Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be similar to your, your 401ks and those where, you, you know, you, you basically uh, – when you first sign up, uh, your paperwork and you know every year you have a, a window where you can basically say hey i'm going to contribute x percent of my income okay yeah yeah that makes sense i was just curious if it was flexible say like a month-to-month contribution or however that no works, which would nope no the okay. really the only windows they open up for that are uh, on an annual basis and then if you have major changes in your your life like you got married you had a kid you yeah it's kind of the same with the health insurance and all that jazz interesting and so the the same thing with with all these other plans then even through these smaller business one the the sep and the simple that you're you're looking at uh kind of except the sep there is no employee contributions so you're not you're not really electing electing anything right but that's that's not what i was getting at Uh, the that in all of these, if you were to try and utilize pulling the money out before the 59 and a half mark, they would all, they would all take a hit. Correct. Every one of these examples. Yeah. IRAs, 401ks, 457, simple SEPs, all of them. They have that 10% penalty. It's basically the IRS saying, Hey, we're getting, giving you some kind of tax advantage for saving for retirement. You have to actually save it for retirement. If you pull it out before then, we're we're taking the tax advantage away and we're throwing a penalty in there on top of it. They're kind of like the mob, man. <laughs> <laughs> I I offer you this gift, the best gift I could on the day of my daughter's wedding, and you take it, and you take it from me when I tell you you can't have it until this later time. You take it sooner and against my permission, and now you will pay. You will pay 10%. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was good. Um, all right. Well, if, if I'm starting to do impressions, maybe it's time to put a bow on it. All right. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think that's a, that's a solid, solid hit on everything as far as just kind of generally getting the idea of, of different, not, not only retirement plans, but, uh, but generally retirement plans is kind of what we're looking at. Right. Uh, and I, I think it's a good broad strokes thing which is kind of what we're good is good at is just, you want me to try to strokes. summer up summer yes. up or Ooh. you want to summer up i i am interested to see how you do um tell you what i'll uh, i'll give you some backing music while you uh while you sum it up ready go ahead i, I'm not, I got you what's the back you you're you're fine it's fine I'm, i got I'm you i'm not prepared for the this music that's you don't have to just feels like pressure um okay (laughs) no so qualified versus non-qualified non-qualified are your individual and joint accounts there's no tax advantage to them but there are also no restrict that is obnoxious (laughs) (laughs) but there's also no restrictions in terms of how much you contribute and how much you can take out Qualified accounts can basically be, at least on the retirement side, can be broken down in between your 
what you can do on an individual basis and what you can do with your employer. And those can be further broken down into whether they are defined contribution or defined benefit. Defined benefit is exactly what it sounds like. It defines how much you get in retirement, either when you retire on that date or what you get every year for the rest of your life. Defined contribution defines how much the company is going to contribute on your behalf, how much it grows to, and what you do with it after that is up to you. From there, you have your IRAs, which are your individual retirement agreements, 6,000 to 7,000 that you can contribute there. And then they have some limits in terms of, you know, whether it's tax deductible or not. 401ks have much higher limits, um, but more restrictions from the employee-er side, but that's where you also get your matches and can throw in profit sharing and things of that nature. Then you have SEPs and SIMPLES, which are kind of like what they sound. They're simplified versions of your your bigger company retirement accounts. Absolutely. The only other big difference is traditional versus Roth. Traditional results in a tax deduction in the year you make the contribution. It grows tax deferred. It's all taxable when you pull it out. Roth, no tax benefit in the year you make the contribution. It does grow tax deferred and it's all tax free when you pull it out. All of them result in a penalty if you pull them out prior to age 59 and a half. And when I say all of them, I'm referring to the qualified plans, not the non-qualified. Right. How is that? And no, it was great, honestly. And and really just like anything that we say in, in any of these, that this is very much a it's important to to learn these things and learn the differences like I clearly did today because I I thought I knew more than I do and I was so very very wrong today and that's <laughs> fine that's totally fine <laughs> and and I I'm pleased to to go over so, so thank you Sean for explaining those things to me because I, I yeah I was I was blind more blind than I knew I was <laughs> and and like any of these things, I, I think it's important for everybody to to go over these things and find out what is important to them and important to important to your lifestyle and what helps you the best. And maybe maybe there are some options in here that you came across that you didn't even know were a possibility and worth looking into. And that's that's what we try to take the time to to evaluate and just see what these different new possibilities are and making sure that you're making the the best decisions that you can. We're actually nearing the end of this season believe it or not i uh, i think i think we might touch on one maybe maybe a couple more episodes before we wrap up this season and then this next season we'll be able to <laughs> dip into some some complicated stuff which when i don't understand the simple stuff i can only imagine how how that's gonna go but you know that's that's all right the the next season is when we we can actually start looking at some of that um is there anything that you want to add to to this to this stretch no i i would say that as you pointed out this there are so many types of accounts and it's all all the taxability and the tax advantages of it are written in irs jargon so if you have questions on it reach out to your accountant reach out to your advisor reach out to us hit us up on facebook and ask us questions we're happy to help um you know if it's something we get a lot of Maybe we end up doing an entire podcast that's dedicated just to 457 plans or just to SEPs and SIMPLES, um, you know, and hopefully we'll come back and do a, a college savings one as well. So let us know. We're, we're happy to answer questions because I, I know it is confusing and I spend more time than I would ever like to on the IRS website trying to unravel what it is they're, they're trying <laughs> to say. So that you don't have to. Um, Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, and also keeping up with it because all the numbers that I just shared with you, the 19.5 for the cap on the 401ks and the 403bs and 457s and all that stuff, it changes every year. So I I typically don't try to memorize those things because it's always changing. Those are the types of things that I look up myself because I'm like – Committing it to memory is almost a waste of time in my mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even those limits on uh, whether or not you can contribute to a Roth IRA, those change every year as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and really, just, just like he's saying, reach out to us. 
uh, do your own research. Do do both. Tell us. Tell us to to express the best way to do your own research. We'll we'll meet you wherever we can. Uh, and really, more than anything, we're just happy that you're here and taking the time to listen. And like we like to say, thank you for being out here and taking the time to make sure to try and better yourself, as I feel like so few people do anymore. And thank you for the taking the time to listen to us. So welcome back. Uh, thanks for listening to The Truth About Investing, Back to Basics. My name is Chris Holling. And I'm Sean Cooper. And we will catch you on the next episode, What, whatever that is, because we don't have a plan yet, and that's fine. <laughs> How did, you, did you like my backing music? I thought it was perfect. You don't? You didn't like my backing music? No. <laughs>'s starting to think about like septuplets and sex tuplets and then I was like sexagon and I was like that's that's not that's right it's not right no no uh, how about a heptagon or a uh, nonagon right right well that's right that's that's where that makes sense but just sexagon sounds like <laughs> all right Let's shoot for a one-liner. One-liner. I decided to sell my vacuum cleaner. It was just gathering dust. (laughs) That has always kind of bothered me, though, that, like, no matter the circumstance, or maybe it's it's encouraging, bothers me, I don't know, that whether a vacuum works or it doesn't, it sucks either way. You ever thought about that? (laughs) That bothers you, huh? <laughs> really eating at you? Uh, well, I could tell you a joke about pizza, but it's a little cheesy. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>